Hello, friends. Happy New Year. This is Kirk Henderson of MavsMoneyBall.com coming to you for a first of the year uh, episode of Mavs Moneyball Group Therapy. Thank you so much for joining us. You're coming, uh, joining us live after the first New Year there. Uh, winning percentage of 100% in uh, 2022 so far, having defeated uh, Timothy Chalamet and the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, 95 to 86. It was not the most inspiring of wins, but a win is a win is a win. And here we are with Steph. So full disclosure, as I told the team, uh, or as Josh, as I recorded the podcast, I watched about 60% of this game. I enjoyed the win. I also uh, really want to go hang out and watch TV because I somehow worked all day on a Sunday, which is some bullshit. So let's, uh, I want to hear your comments. want to hear your thoughts. Um, as the chat is noting, uh, Marquise Chris has made a solid case to become a Maverick for the entire season, and I agree. All right, coming up first is Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Kirk, how you doing? I am all right. What's Oh, nothing. It's been about several games since I've been, been on one of these. I uh, really needed some group therapy the other night, though, when we lost against the Kings and uh, that buzzer here. <laughs> I know. It was a late night game, though. I was just, uh, man. It was like a 10-hour drive the night before, and I wasn't able to watch the game. And I was just like, I can't do this. I oh, no. This. It, it was late anyway. I, I went straight to bed, and like I was just staying up at night. I just couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> just the first of all the game. But that's okay. we got to you know, win two days later, but uh, yeah, you know, this road trip, what, we're a 3-2, really should have been 4-1, but whatever, you know, we got... A 3-2 road trip is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's not even counting, I mean, God, we played the Jazz, and we were missing, like, almost everybody then, and we lost by four, so, I mean... Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, I think I think we're in a good place, too, and definitely keep Marquise Chris. I don't see how they could let him go. The more Chris we got, the less Dwight Powell we have, and when Powell's playing on limited... You know, not playing as many minutes. I really feel like obviously he's more effective. If you ask him to, him to do too much, or have him start. Well, actually, he he starts anyway. But just having him not do as much, I think that's that's good for us. Um, I'm not sure about what's going on with Brandon Knight. Do you think that they might be holding on to him? I hope they don't let him go because I give him another uh, crack at it. You know, so yeah, he's an interesting deal because. <clears throat> If you trace back his injury history, he tore his ACL at a really bad time. And he was simply not able to come back. And when he did come back, and I mean that from a, like, he he wasn't able to come back, like, effectively. Um, And it's really something, you know, he has has had a couple of good games. But it's like, when you look at the big picture of how he's played basketball, he's really not been great in, like, four-plus years. So it's... It's a little difficult to deal with. I, I'm curious to see. I, I just think what's going to happen is these guys are going to run through. They're not going to have, um, they're not going to have these hardship exceptions. So they kind of have to make a choice really quickly. And and that um, I would get rid is, of Pinson. I mean, could we just get rid of Pinson? Keep well. I mean, obviously, you want to keep Chris. Uh, do we have any other room after that? I mean. It's, it's, I'm not, when these COVID exceptions go away, it's kind of like where the, you know, it's like your IR spot in fantasy football. Like you have to bring that person back if you want them on the team. Uh, and so it's like, they're going to have to basically sign somebody else. Um, is I think the gist, uh, not sign somebody else. They're going to have to, um, cut someone if they want to keep somebody. And I don't know if they're in a place to do that outside of like, I think all of us would be super pumped if they sent Willie to the far side of the moon, but I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I keep forgetting he's even on the team. <laughs> so 
uh, that with that whole, you know, leaving for personal reasons, I guess they just let, let him just go home. Um, mm-hmm. But with Knight and Thomas, and that's just horrible luck. I just hope one of them, you know, you know, you know, can do something. But just going into next season, I know a little early, but I just don't see this team holding on to Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, and like, we don't want to keep seeing the same old things with him just coming, taking in rush shots. And I, I think he played pretty decent tonight. But yeah, he did okay. I just, I, my expectations for Tim are just so through the floor to where as long as he's not garbage. I mean, the real challenge for him is that the like, defense. If he's not really good on offense, when he looks bad on defense, he looks horrendous as a player overall. Like tonight was just one of those games where he got lost. Like he gets lost on basic stuff. Like he's too good a basketball player to have these kind of mistakes, in my opinion. And he's he he's about as streaky as Buddy Hill does when it comes to the three point shot. And where has his dad, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s dad, been? Because we haven't seen him at these games. And I remember last year or the year before that, every time Tim Hardaway Sr.'s at the games, I feel like. Junior just balls out, you know. <laughs> it's real because, you know, you got to kind of – I think sometimes we take the mechanics of shooting for granted, but, like, there's a reason NFL coaches have quarterback coaches. There's a reason golf uh, – like, the best golfers have, like, caddies that know what they're talking about and, and baseball pitchers work with – like, the mechanics of things can be off just so, and then it really makes a big difference. And – it, it just it matters. Um, it, it's it's really neat in 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 when Tim Hardaway's dad is there because it you can just tell that they've talked about stuff like the the real nuanced shit that me as a person who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn as a shooter doesn't understand. And I I, I think it's a, there's a science to it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all I have. You just want Luca, you know, get get back uh, get back in shape. Uh, you know, we'll obviously lose some weight, but you know, Luke. I'm just glad he did have that extended time because of his ankle. You know, Porzingis stay healthy. I think we're in a good spot. Keep Chris and then go from there. I mean, just uh, maybe there will be something cool at the uh, trade deadline. We'll, something will happen and we'll just kind of go from there. But I think we're in a good spot to considering how West bad the West is. We just have to worry about Phoenix and Golden State just avoiding them in the first round. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And we're going to get to see Golden State this week. Yeah. Big week. For, got to win tomorrow. Go ahead and get another win. But, yeah, Wednesday, I'm like, oh, please yeah, don't embarrass yeah. on uh, Dirk's retirement night. <laughs> no shit. I just – I'm not even – it's, like, snuck up on me. Like, I knew it was coming. Um, like, Lauren Gunn and I were trying to figure out if she was going to be able to make, like, the media availability. And I was like, man, that's in, like, five days. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe Luca will go for, like, 45 or 50 on Wednesday just for Dirk, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, he loves playing Steph Curry. Like, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. And so it's, it's a national TV game too. So I, I think we might be all right. I don't know. You never know. So I hope so. All right, Chris, thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Kirk. All right. Coming up next, Jared from all the way on the other side of the planet. How is your Monday going? Jared's in the future. Hit the unmut button. There we go. Yeah. Good day. How are we doing? Yeah. Good. It was a, um, just a solid win, I guess you'd say. Um, thought they were going to beat them by a fair bit more, considering the lineup that um, OKC had to put out. We'll um, take the win, move on to the next game. What did um, you think of your boy nice Giddy? Your 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 because he he was incredible that game. I I really enjoyed watching him play basketball in the in the moments that I got to see him play. Yeah, I was joking before the game. It was Luca versus Skinny Luca, but um, he, he doesn't obviously he doesn't have the offensive talent. As, but he as ju- of, of not Luka, yet. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really fascinated to see how he develops. But 
he plays with a real intensity that is it's kind of infectious. Um, he clearly had no fear of of the moment or Luca or whoever. Where I mean, youngest triple double in history um, is what I'm reading online, which that's pretty incredible. Yeah, he beat out um, Lamelo. I think it was by about 30 or 40 days. Um, the, the OKC, I'm on the OKC forum, and they've been talk, talking about it for the last month or so. <laughs> he keeps missing it. Yeah, a couple of points or a couple of rebounds, and they're all hanging out for it. But um, the main thing with um with Giddy is that he's he's got the sort of veteran sort of pace and um IQ um because his dad was a um he played in in the local league over here for like ten or fifteen years, and he's been an assistant coach for another five or ten years. So he's got that um upbringing where he's been involved with the with the professional game for the for all his life. Nice. Um but yeah, like, like you saw towards the end he just needs to get that um scoring sort of sorted out where he misses those little But little he took shots. the shots. And the taking of the shots is the thing that is sometimes very hard for NBA players. And compared to, you know, our Mavericks young, you know, fellow Australian, Josh Green. Josh Green doesn't want to shoot the basketball. And it's it's so painful to watch Green sometimes because he just doesn't have the confidence. And I don't know why, because if you have the confidence to make, like, these whirling dervish crazy-ass jump passes, you'd think, like, just pushing the ball at the rim wouldn't be that much of a much of a thing. But this has been, you know, it's kind of been Green's issue going back even to his time with um, – uh, Arizona, where it's just he wasn't a very good rim finisher, and and you know it's it's a different level, obviously game, but it's just he's such an interesting athlete, strong, he's, and and you know just watching watching Giddy take those shots, I'm just like I know it's a different role, role like very different, but it's, you know young players need to be willing to shoot the ball because it's hard, like you have to develop confidence somehow. Yeah, I think um, a green green's always been a bit like that. Even I think even in college he was more of a, a passer, facilitator than a than a finisher. But I think it's hard to know for sure. But it, it seemed like Carlisle had his had his offense and it was really insanely structured. So if you took one step out of line, it looked like you were kicked to the curb for the next yeah. three weeks. So <laughs> maybe it's a mentality that he's slowly improving. Where he's um, not freaking out about not thinking about making one mistake and then never seeing the court again for a month. But um, he's, he's, he's been a bit better. But like yeah, like you say, he just doesn't take that like semi-open shot. It has to be like a wide-open shot. Um, yep. And whereas in the NBA, you need to take those sort of half-open just to keep the defense on, honest, um, just to make them think about their rotations and stuff like that, and not be confident. Conf- Comfortable on the defensive end, but um, right. yeah, I think it's he's slowly, slowly getting um that improvement where he's just got a bit more confidence, and I think this year is kind of like a learning year for him, even though it's second year. Last year was pretty bizarre, I think, with with the COVID and Carlisle trying to keep his job to some degree. Sure, right. Um, but whereas kids seems to be more involved with um, allowing the players to progress and adjust. 
um, to the team game. So. Yeah. I mean, there's like, as long as they're not losing because of Josh Green, which if they're losing because of Josh Green, that's a whole different planet of problems. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You might as well let him play, you know, 15, 20 minutes. He's not hurting by any stretch. Yeah. What do you think about um, selling kind of high on on Powell and and, and Hardaway Jr. at the moment? Um, Because Powell's probably his best stretch in the last couple of years. I, I'm 100% for it. I heard from – I'm not exactly like a sources guy because there's no point in like reporting for me. But I talked to enough NBA people to where like there was actual interest in Powell last year at the deadline. Like the Mavericks just have to be willing to part with the guy that Mark Cuban seems to think is like the heart and soul of the team. Moving Powell for anything, anything different would be big for – in my opinion. Because if they're going to play Moses Brown, if they need to find a role for Chris – you know, they had, they just got too many big guys that don't really do much. So it's, it's, you know, I, I've appreciated Powell's time here, but I, I think they need to try to move on from them. But Tim Hardaway is a different beast. We've had some arguments about this in the Mavs Moneyball Slack, and I think that his shooting will eventually turn around. But I, Carl really got the best out of him, the best play out of him, and I don't think Kid is the same kind of enamored with him. Um, he's been bad to mediocre. He's rarely had those like stretch. He's not had that stretch yet. And I mean, that could be said for like half the team at this point, but Tim's not really made a strong case for himself this year. So, uh, you know, before all, you know, as recently as Christmas, I want to say Josh Bowe was like, you know, sell the whole team, like just, just figure out what you can get. So, I mean, I'm interested in that. Yeah. I think they just need to, even if it's maybe just shuffling sideways a couple of the couple of the guys like Hardaway, Powell, don't necessarily have to be like a massive swing for the fences kind of move, but just swapping them for different vets that provide a different option on offense. Like somebody like um, Muscala, I'm not sure how much he showed this game, but I watched OKC because I got Josh Goody, and um, he's actually like a really good three point shooter for a big, um, and that would just give a different option for the rota- the big rotation. They don't really, apart from Porzingis, who still seems to think he's a 40% three-point shooter, they don't really <laughs> have anyone that's going to come in and spread the floor, um, even though Chris showed a bit today, I guess. Yeah. But just swapping somebody like Powell for some, like a Muscala type who's going to stretch, come in and stretch the floor, open the lanes up for um, Luca to drive or even like Josh Green to, to drive in and pass out. Mm-hmm. Um, just gives a different option to their big rotation. I agree with that. But I, I mean, I'm interested in like, as much as I like am, am enamored by specific players in this team, I could also just, you know, it's like playing a video game where I'm, I would also be okay with like a total reset. Yeah. I mean, I think the trouble is at the moment, everyone was hoping for some trades, but with all the COVID protocols, I think all the teams are just sort of waiting to see what happens in the next few weeks. No, that's 100% so, it. Bobby Marks basically said on a on a ESPN podcast right around New Year's where he said the the trade, you know, everybody's eligible to be traded on December 15th. He basically said they expects everybody to wait until at least January 15th to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for the trade junkies this year. That's correct. <laughs> we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully they can just make some tweaks. And um, 
they seem to have the, obviously the top end talent with Brunson stepping up, but they just need to make a couple of shuffles, I think, to to fill out the the, the bench, the top end of the bench, if Brunson's moving into the starting line. Right. Not sure what they're going to do there, but I guess we'll see soon because pretty soon the whole gang will be back together. Yep. All right, I'll leave it there and um, move on. They're playing tomorrow, aren't they? So They do. They play Denver. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Denver's kind of a bit of a roller coaster team as mm. well. Yeah. Well, all right. Thanks for joining us all tonight. Right. We'll talk to you soon. No problem. See you. All right. Davis, what's going on? Thanks for joining us again. Is the audio going to work for you tonight? Didn't instamute you, so I can't tell. Yeah, no, well, it just, yeah, it starts off muting you, but it's, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can. Thanks for joining. Hey, Kirk. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, I just, tonight I think the biggest positive was, uh, I think, honestly, Kleba and uh, Chris. I think their defense was really outstanding tonight. I know your buddy, Josh Bell, has been down on Kleba, but truthfully, I can, he, there's not really much to be down on. He's still the most, you know, versatile, versatile defender. Um, I mean, just, I think if, we, if you just go back and watch him tonight, um, his ability to not only pick up his man one on one, but then if he does get blown by, he's able to still get himself back in the play and contest a shot. Um, I mean, he was just really good on that end tonight. And uh, and then Chris, is, he made a couple of threes, but his passing was actually really good. His triple handoffs with Luca, where Luca would, you know, bring the ball up to him, and they would just pass it back and forth, and then get a play where they passed each other. He he cut towards the basket. He didn't convert from the shot, but it was still a good look. Um, I mean, that's just that brings like hard ice to me, you know, like, cause, cause one of the good things that Powell does do is he does roll well and he does finish around the rim well. Um, but just his weakness is on the defensive end. Um, and, and his perimeter shooting, um, it's just so bad that it really, it really hurts us as a team, uh, to have him out there. So hopefully I, I think have, Try and figure out a way to have Chris take most of Powell's minutes. I think outside, you know, given that he doesn't foul too much and can actually stay in the game, um, would be a really big um, benefit to this team. But I don't know. Did, did you see that from Cleveland and Chris or are you, you know, it's, it's, it's a thunder. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, I guess the you know, that's a fair question. I This was such a – it was a kind of a peculiar game because the final score doesn't indicate how much the Mavericks kind of kicked the crap out of the Thunder for a significant portion of it. Um, they, you know, the, it ended up being a nine-point margin of victory, but it should have been more. And, I don't know, it's hard to be too critical. It, this was a game where I was really kind of hyped, you know, and I didn't – I, I saw, and I, I said this on the podcast, I saw the first quarter, I saw the end of the, the second quarter, like the final three minutes, and then I saw the final six minutes of the fourth quarter. So like there was, I didn't see any of the third when Chris played really well, according to Josh. Um, 
I don't know. I'm just kind of starved for something different at this point where I would like to see Chris sign for the rest of the year just because we only got 50 games left. So what's the harm? Um, and you know, as far as the other bigs, it's like, eh, it's just like we've seen most of it before. So I'm going to be interested to see what they do because they're going to have to make space if they want to keep Chris, which means something with Willie Collie Stein and, or, you know, someone, um, maybe Moses, which I think, I think people might riot if they cut Moses, but Moses is just so raw is what I will say, because I've really enjoyed his play, but he also doesn't really know what he's doing on defense at all, which is difficult. So, well, thank you, Davis. You got anything else? I mean, uh, just in, uh, in response to that, I mean, yeah, Moses, I've never really interested the Moses hype. I guess he's young and has some potential, but I mean, he's, like a newborn gazelle out there, just um, he struggles to control his body. I think I think Boban is just a better player than him. So like if you're gonna play the big man, play Boban because he can, you know, he rebounds well and he can actually score. Um, so I I'm of your mindset, you know, throw Boban out there once a game, see what happens and and whatnot. Like I think he's just a better player than Moses at this point. Mm. Um, and if you can play Moses, play him, I think, in Chile, get a given minutes there, um, things like that. I know I, I hear your uh, frustration with the Shostra, and I'm right there with you. Um, but I never, you know, guys, I just think um, guys like Kleba are important to have in that they do. He can defend wings, he can defend boards, and that he probably should be starting for us at this point. Um, but we'll see what. Uh, J-Kid's um, love for Powell keeps him in the starting lineup. I also wanted to hear which team did you was interested in Powell because I want to figure out what to steal from Ben. Because um, <laughs> I don't remember which team. I don't remember which team. It was Eastern Conference, though, is, is what I oh, recall. Man. Oh, that poor organization. They must have. Was it the days of... Uh, in the mid 2000s, when you had those incompetent GMs all over the league, and right, they don't and, exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like teams, smart teams, would figure out how to steal away players from them or rob them. And I, so I just want to figure out what team was interested in Powell and try to trade with them. You know, see see what we can take from them. But uh, anyway, uh, that's all for tonight. Thanks for having me on. Yep, thanks for coming up. All right, folks, this has been an enjoyable, quick-hitting room. We're going to be back here tomorrow night because the Mavericks play the Nuggets, and I have a feeling there will be more gripes. However, I'm looking forward to seeing Luca and hopefully Porzingis, because I don't – like, Porzingis, they just basically wanted to give him a rest. He played four games in a row. He's played more than – you know, following after, like, the back issue, he's played more than I really thought he would have. He's – yet to go down with some mind-numbing injury, which makes me scream into the void. So I want to really enjoy the Luka um, Porzingis time. Uh, Denver is one game above 500, so the Mavericks could, you know, pass them with a win to, tomorrow. That'd be really fun. We'll be on here late, um, I suspect. So, you know, be sure to listen to Josh Bowe and I's podcast. We did like 25 minutes on this game somehow because we each had a lot to say. Uh, and I'll be posting this one probably at around lunchtime on the 3rd. 
everyone enjoy the rest of their weekend before we go back to work. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't get a paid day off until Memorial Day, so I am going to be a sad sack. Okay, folks, Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball after dark. No, this is group therapy. What's wrong with me? I uh, appreciate y'all hanging out on a Sunday, and we will talk soon.